Hello and welcome back once again to the Inquisitor podcast with me, Marcus Kauke. Today, I'm delighted to have as my guest, James Bishop, who has, frankly, one of the best LinkedIn profile photographs that you'll ever see. He is the founder of One Fine Play. James, welcome. Hi, and thank you for having me. Excellent. Would you mind giving the audience 60 seconds on your history, please? Absolutely. I am a 38-year-old London-based, I think they use the word entrepreneur, moved to the big smoke when I was 24, started an events company, which was a bit like a vocational degree, ran cocktail bars at festivals for global brands, kind of escaped that after five years through a fire sale, then went on a journey of becoming a content creator, taught myself a lot about the creative industry through YouTube, which is what I uh, look to as my degree, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Thought disadvantaged young people how to make video using their phone after a short stint in television, which I became very disillusioned about. Got into podcasting because I wanted to be able to capture the everyday conversation that disadvantaged people don't have access to. And then my entrepreneurial spirit got hold of me and what went from how do we make podcasts has turned into a tech platform for the podcast creator economy where we're currently building a marketplace to allow podcasters to make money more easily excellent well as a podcaster that definitely interests me i've got to be honest when i got into this i was really just interested in speaking to authors who'd written stuff i liked and it's morphed into so much more. I'm curious, what, what are the kind of uh, common uh, questions that you get asked uh, around podcasting? I suppose from a work perspective, talking to creators, the most common question is, what do you think of my podcast? Like I might have time to sit there and listen to hours on end of their podcast and then yep. give them a review. I get asked, how much can I charge for podcast sponsorship? So that's a fairly common question. Is 180 listens an episode good? It's a typical question. And I guess the one that always comes out is how do I get more listeners? Okay. I've got to admit, those questions don't fill me with excitement. So what are the questions people should really be asking, but they don't? Why am I doing this? Is a really good question, I think. I don't think that's something that most people really have clarity on. There's a huge lack of self-awareness in this space, I think. I'm minded of that Big Bang Theory episode where they're doing fun with crap. Yes, exactly. I think, you know, having spent a few years in this space and talked to a lot of podcasters, most shows are driven through someone's ego or their insecurity. Those are the two traits that we're always faced with. I know that because often as a client, you start to understand what drives them and you know it's either one or both. So I guess it's a case of asking yourself, how do you use one or either of those to your advantage and tying that to your why? So I think that's a really important question that people should be asking themselves. Is that something that you asked yourself when you started? Well, no, it was entirely mercenary. I just uh, read a whole load of books and the people behind them really interested me. So I just wanted to talk to the authors. And then it started to morph into a lot more. 
And then I got to speak to people who are best in the world at what they do. Another great question that people don't ask themselves but should is, does anybody else want to listen to the conversation that I'm having? This might be really interesting to me, but why would someone else want to listen to it? Am I just recording my chat down the pub with a mate? You know, like one of the the lines we've started using more recently is, talk is cheap, podcasting is easy, but is that really true? I think if you approach the podcast with uh, genuine curiosity as the interviewer, then uh, you encourage people to give their opinion. And that's interesting. That's human interest. I think one of the reasons why many podcasts are boring as hell is they are formulaic. And it's really uh, often a matter of each side trying to wait for the silence long enough to interrupt it with the sound of their voice. Um, So how do you create an interesting, engaging podcast? I think that's a way more interesting question. Yeah, people don't ask that question, really. Or when people ask that question and they don't like the answer. Right, okay. (laughs) Much more to the point. So I think... I'm girding my loins. Hmm, podcasting <laughs> has become, I think, first of all, it's it's important to break this down a little bit and understand what we're really talking about here. Podcasting has become a slang term for interviewing people, probably badly. There is a, I think, understanding or assumption that it's going to be easy, that it's going to be cheap, that it's fast, that it's just talking. You know, all of these things are in my opinion, not true. And that's the same as the difference between writing and being a copywriter in a blog. Podcasting is not finite. I think a lot of people think it's finite. All they seem to want to do is get somewhere with their show, get more listens. But when asked what that means, they don't really know. You know, there are how many followers you've got, how many listeners you've got, it's never enough. People always want to get to a place that doesn't quite exist. There are lots of different types of podcast. So I think we're making an assumption here of the interview show, right? You press play, you press record, we talk to each other, you ask me some questions, and then we post that for other people to listen to. But there are fiction podcasts, there are like investigative journalism shows, there are shows that involve human guinea pig. There are monologue type shows. There are so many different types of podcasts that's a complete creative freedom. Lots of people talk to me about their favorite podcasts, one of which is a show called Serial. You might have listened to it. I I haven't. um, You've heard of it? S-E-R-I-A-L. Exactly. It's in the true crime space, which is the biggest of the podcasting genres. 38 full-time employees worked on that show. Wow. 38 full-time employees. That's a lot of sponsorship. That's a lot of humans working on a, on a work of art. So we break this show down. We break podcasting down into two categories. We look at two people, one microphone. That's what we're doing. And then we had there are works of art, which is what at One Fine Play It used to be a production company. That's what we did. We produced shows where our average episode budget, episode budget is about £8,000 at least. Like we won't touch a project. Now, we won't touch a season of 
of podcasts under a hundred thousand pound budget. There's just no point. And we're taking three or four weeks to make an episode, I would say, of total time, right? Like of someone working eight hours a day. So there are lots of different types of podcast. And so what goes into making a great show is quite a complex, but also very important question. The main one being, if you want to spoil it down, without debating, you know, the the intricacies of marketing and target audiences and that kind of stuff. Let's just make an assumption. If you find it interesting, someone else will find it interesting. The difference between the fastest way to make a difference is to take your conversation, record it, but then do good quality editorial on the other end and share a highlight reel of your conversation as a story. People love stories. Put the effort into making it considered tighter version where you maybe reorder stuff, maybe you drop yourself back in and put some signposts around where you consider the listener and their experience because they've got a very different context to your conversation. That's really interesting advice. Okay. People don't like this information because it costs time and therefore money. Okay. And is that because they're in a hurry to hear themselves over the airwaves or is it because... What what do you think? What is it for you? For me, I don't know how to do the splicing and dicing. And um, uh, I'm already spending my budget on other things, but doesn't mean that couldn't divert it. But it's never crossed my mind before. I do short snippets of you know one or two minutes as a sequence before, but I've never thought of doing it as a showreel, which actually makes a lot of sense. People want to hear it. People want to hear the best bits. They don't want to hear the whole thing. And they want it reordered so it makes a bit more sense. And so there's a story. So there's a beginning, a middle, an end. Maybe there's, I mean, I could, we could talk about this for hours and hours, but you know, like if I was making a show, you want a real simple episode structure. Here's the thing most people don't put their audience first. There are three stakeholders in a podcast. Most people don't make a plan. Let's just start there. Mm. A podcast is just like a mini business. You wouldn't start a business without a business plan. Most people start a podcast with no plan. They just start because talk is cheap. I can talk to people. I think it's going to be interesting. Therefore, other people must think it's interesting, but they, which they won't because they're not actually actively involved in, a conversa- in the conversation and they're not going to give up their time. So let's just get cracking, right? But that's why, it, that's why 93% of all shows die after seven episodes, right? So here's a simple narrative arc for you. Here's a simple episode arc for you. Compelling introduction, followed by last week on the show, XYZ. Go back and listen if you haven't. Followed by some compelling call to actions, like you need to explain to people what you want to do. Sign up to my newsletter. Follow me on social. Share this with someone you think would be interested in hearing about it. I appeared on this podcast last week. Go listen to it. Go listen to my mate's podcast. Because, right, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Then coming up in this week's episode, because I want to know, you need to deliver on the episode quickly, right? Coming up in this week's episode, X, Y, Z. Then a bit of meat, cut down, but a, a, an edited version of whatever your conversation was about. Then I want to hear a signpost. Wait, guys, I just want to take a minute to remind you, you're listening to X, Y, Z podcast with me, X, Y, Z. We've been talk- I've been talking to this week's guest about this. 
coming up, we're going to be talking about XYZ. So it's like a bit of a reset, a bit like the adverts on television. Then you get into the next section of me. Then maybe you dive back in going, I just want to jump in here and say, while we were talking, this XYZ came to mind. I didn't get to say it then, but you know, here's some additional thoughts coming up. And to finish off the conversation, we talk about XYZ. Right, finish with the final section. Then you want, thanks so much for coming on the show. It wasn't it great. I learned this. this, this here's some tangible action for you to take away. Coming up on next week's episode, I speak to so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Isn't it going to be great? Here's some more call to actions for you. Peace out. See you soon. Right. Okay. Then you're making something that's a podcast is as much a marketing vehicle, like is as much working for the audience, building a brand experience, making them feel part of something as it is your conversation with somebody else. And you know the thing that people miss? People forget to ask. Before you started, did you go and ask other people why they listen to podcasts? What pod- not, People always ask what podcasts, but not why. Here's some interesting facts for you. The average person only listens to seven podcasts at any one time. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to Joe, like, I'm an, like, I don't know, I, let's say this isn't actually true, but let's say I start out listening to Joe Rogan or I don't know, uh, I've got some favorite, sh- like Gary V. Right? The, Gow- the Gary V. Audio Experience. That's what got me into it. That's my, I feel obliged to listen to that. Right? That's two or three gone. They're my staple. Why on earth, when I'm going down to the bus stop to get on the bus, am I going to listen to your random new ass podcast? Like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to go back to something I know, someone I trust, know, like that delivers. Mm-hmm. So how are you ever going to get a look in? People aren't adding more and more and more and more to their listening. They're replacing. And if I've got six or seven that I'm really compelled to listen to all the time because I know they always deliver and I want to press the button and then I want to get on with, you know, for most people, podcasting is a passive activity. Mm-hmm. You've got to think, why is someone listening to your show? And most of the reason is because you feel like you're part of a secret club. When you ask people, what they say is, I feel like I've got this secret group of mates or this secret friend that I listen to online that no one else, I don't tell my mates about it. So, right, this is a thing. People don't say, oh, I don't go to the pub and say to my friend, oh, I've got this, because uh, you know, this podcast I listen to and I absolutely love the host because it sounds geeky, right? I've right. just got into the NFT community and my real life friends think I'm so weird. I spent $350 the other day on a picture of a zebra, a JPEG of a zebra. I told my real life friends in a WhatsApp group and they're just taking the mick out of me. This is the same in podcasting. Yeah. You feel like you're part of a club. You don't go to the podcast because of the guest. You go to the podcast because you feel like you want to catch up with your mate. You want to hear what's going on in their world. If you don't build your show with that narrative in mind, delivering on that, they won't stick around. Very interesting. Okay. I mean, you, t- you touched on one of the common questions, which is how do I grow my audience? Does one necessarily want to grow your audience significantly? Because uh, I've had dozens of people offer to grow my audience. But I reckon of my total addressable market, maybe 3% are likely to be uh, the kinds of people who will respond well to my content. So I've always got that 3% in mind. Well, that, my man, is a very good question. Do you want to grow your audience? Because people's default mindset is, of course, I want more listeners. 
it's a volume game, bigger's better. But I'm in your camp. Like, do you really want to grow them or do you just want to like weed out some that aren't as relevant and add some more that are more relevant? I, I'm more inclined with the latter because then we have far more fruitful, richer engagement. This all leads to a bigger question, which I sort of alluded to earlier, which is why are you doing it? It started out because I wanted to talk to great authors. It's morphed into a fabulous place where I get to synthesize the ideas of people who operate in and around my area of specific interest. And as a result, I'm able to come up with much more interesting, innovative solutions to age-old problems. So you see what you have pointed out here, I can reframe for you. And it's not something that I share with very many people, actually. There's a podcasting journey for most what we'll call, we tend to call people, the majority of podcasters, hobbyists, not in a Mm -hmm. um, rude way, just that's what most people... They they do it as a part-time side hustle. But that's the thing is that they don't, and we'll come on to that, they don't do that. So the average hobbyist, right? You start your show because like you said, you wanted to have some interesting conversations. So you might get into pottery or cycling or whatever hobby it is that you want to get into, right? You're going to have to invest a bit of cash in it and you do it because you like it. You might get into reading or gaming. It doesn't really matter, but you're going to spend a thousand pound a year on it, give or take, right? Or 500 quid a year, whatever your budget is on hobbies. And for most people, that's what podcasting is. Then what tends to happen, if you're getting any level of success, then what tends to happen is that it turns into some form of therapy. Whether you know about it or not, there's some level of... There's definitely an element of that. Right. So whether you like it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, whether you're consciously doing it or not, that often becomes this processing period where you are basically in some kind of therapy, self-development process, right? And then at the end of that comes either, oh, now I've discovered the benefits of making a podcast. Like there's actually an opportunity here as a creator. So you're sort of stepping up this ladder, right? You started out as a hobby, then your hobby, you actually got a lot of personal benefit and gain from. Then you realize that that gain might have... I don't know, you get to meet more people, you have more conversations, it's enriching. If you run a business or you've got any kind of commercial aspect to your life, you start thinking, oh, I can see how I can do this, that, the other, right? That Then it starts to grow. Then you get to this precipice of like, okay, well, you know, could I make, how could I get more listeners? Or how could I make money out of it? How could I use it for Legion or whatever? And then you get to the awkward stage that so many people are at where they're on the, you know, there's this chasm ahead of them, isn't there, where it's either podcast death, because eventually you get fed up with pouring money into it. And it's not, you know, your numbers have plateaued. And you don't really know who those people are, because you don't really do marketing properly. And you've you've got 400 people, but you don't have the data for any, you've got 400 listens. But, you know, are we talking downloads here? Are we talking, are we talking downloads? Are we talking streams? Are we talking listens? These are three very different things. Do you know who any of those people are? Are the 300 people that listen to this week's episode the same as the 300 listened to last week's episode? How do you contact them? How do you make money out of them? Are they changing, right? And then you start 
either you want to start finding this stuff out and therefore your podcast tends to grow and then it needs economics. So it needs income and outgoings and it develops or often it just dies. And that's kind of the life cycle of a show. Okay. What's to stop you from continuing to be a hobbyist if you can maintain the quality, the flow and the costs? Because the majority of people don't have that self-awareness or insight. And what you just said is so difficult to do. Because like most people give up due to lack of traction. Heavy, but there's a lack of traction. There's no budget and you have to constantly pour money into it. And production is time consuming. And those things end up putting people off. And it's only a very persistent or unique type of person who will continue through that. Okay. I have been described as bloody minded. I was about to ask you, why do you keep going? It's really interesting. For you, I don't know how much you're spending on your show, but I'm going to punt it <laughs> under a thousand pounds a year. Well, I'm spending money on tidying up the show yes. um, so, but, and hosting costs. So it's, I, I do six, well, I do eight to 12 episodes a month. So for you, it's personal brand development. It's, it's a combination of personal brand development. Yeah. An ego massage. Yeah. And you are a self-aware, insightful person who's learning from it for personal gain. So that will in turn make you better at your job. So you have intrinsic motivation. Yeah, I, I see it just like a, an investment. But most people don't have, lots of people don't have this awareness. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've been blessed with four and a half thousand years of compound um, experience distilled into the last two years of just having chats with really interesting people. Why do you not want to make, so you have a really good, solid understanding of human behavior and of marketing in the modern era. Why Okay. Do you not? Do you disagree? I don't know. It seems to be working. Um, I'd like to claim some credit for it, but actually most of it's just been done through guesswork and fucking up royally on a regular basis. <laughs> That's very honest of you. But <laughs> It's just a series of forward stumbles. And yeah, when my nose doesn't hit the pathway, then it's a win. What are your ambitions with the show? I'd love to have more people apply what you can learn from it. What's stopping you from going all in on that? I've got way too many other things on that are also equally... uh, You must have seen Up. Mm -hmm. Right, you know the bit where the dog suddenly goes squirrel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, the, you know, the, imagine six of those in a pack all bundled in there to one balding middle-aged, slightly off-the-wall freak who doesn't fit in. And that's pretty much what you've got. I'm not you, to everyone's taste. <laughs> well, you know, and this is one of the common problems with podcasting, you know. It's a case of what do you do? You're at that very challenging point where you've got some critical mass you've got some momentum what you're 
navigating the line of how do I keep it going without it getting any smaller, but also unmanageably bigger or stressfully bigger. That's what I read between the lines. I'd like to be able to do it the minimum amount of resource and effort. You know, my, my whole philosophy is do less but better on purpose. So what's the minimum you need to do to, to grow it, but to attract the right kind of people? So I, I'm definitely asking people to tag at least one person uh, if they listen or they uh, download it. But that's getting very little uh, traction. Of course. And that's, I guess, one of the real, the real challenges. But you're, we're edging into the conversation of marketing a podcast, which we've stayed away from so far. Right. Have you, just on a, on a note before we move on, have you seen the TED Talk with Tim Urban called Inside the Mind of a Master Procrastinator? God, yes, absolutely. Well, what you describe in your challenge around focus is exactly that, isn't it? It's the inst- you've got the six instant gratification monkeys yeah. all running, going mental and taking you off course. Yeah, but I've, I've never seen myself as making my living through podcasting. And that in itself, which is basically what I was exactly about to say, is there is a reality that a podcast at scale is just a ve- is just a primary vehicle within a brand or within a business or within a, a within a product. So when you talk about, I'd love people to take action, a hundred percent, and that's exactly. You know, if you want to 10x your podcast in the next six months, stop focusing on, well, actually it's difficult for you, but because I don't think you can bring your production value down much more. But I, stop. I, I, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> your production process, not your production value, your production <laughs> process. Um, it isn't. I mean, both probably. Both probably. But... Uh, you basically need a plan, right? You don't like if we were to look at you, and this is the same for so many people. You don't have a plan. Why do you do eight to ten to twelve episodes a month? Why? Because there's always enough pipeline to do them. They're out there, and virtually all the shows are good because people refer people of similar quality. So you always it comes down to the same thing: like put your audience first. And this is always this is always the same the same conversation like you're making eight to ten to twelve a month because you think a few other people want to listen to it but you want to put as little effort into it as possible like you want people to take action but you're not putting any effort into the people taking action like if you now take our conversation and you strip out of our conversation the five things and you make go away this afternoon a blog post and you make a separate four minute video that you post across all the social channels and you do an email newsletter about the five things you learned from your conversation with James. And here's a free download. And if you give me your email address, you can download it. And you run that as an ad with a hundred quid behind it across the social channels, right? And then you do a live event where you invite me on and three other people that are relevant in a month's time and you sell tickets for a fiver. And you create a merch line with a strap line on it. And you do all these different things. This whole show is going to explode. And then you'll be working on behalf of your audience. Currently, we could just turn this off and you, we could just chat to each other for an hour. I would just happily talk to you to meet. I'm doing this because I like meeting people. That's kind of what you're doing and you want to learn stuff. Why are we sharing it with the world? Because you're not actually working for the audience. What's the, fu- like, what's the fucking point, honestly? 
You're just making it harder for all the podcasters who actually want to make a difference to an audience or actually want to do it as a living. Just making noise. That you'll make it. This is this is social noise. In the same way you don't drop litter in the street, why is it acceptable to make digital noise? Okay. I suspect that's probably fair. I hadn't looked at it like that because I derive an enormous amount of value from the episodes and I've implemented a whole load of what uh, I've learned and I know lots of people who have. But I'm unpacking the whole piece around not caring about my audience um, because no one's challenged me like that before. You don't actually care. You tell me you care about your audience, but I promise you that you don't because you do fuck all for them. This is only for you. This is a completely self-serving process. You find people that you're interested in and you talk to them so you can learn. And then you go down the pub and tell your mates about the podcast that you make. And then to make a token gesture, you post a few things on social, which is a complete upload of horseshit about how to promote a podcast. And because it's free to make a podcast and share it with the world and post digital noise, you do that in the sort of hope that maybe it just is some kind of justification for this self-serving process. But if you actually cared about the audience, which is what you told me, earlier that you did, like how do people take action? Name one thing that you do that derive, that drives people to take action from your show. There isn't anything conscious, but I know people do because they write to me to tell me so, but they are a minuscule fraction of all the episodes that have been downloaded. So I can't necessarily claim that. I think- so, as a refuge. And I'm and I I'm not question and I don't question that people don't. And putting content out, you never know if one person hears one thing in one episode that changes their lives or stops them from being suicidal or changes their mental health outlook or whatever. Like I'm totally on board with that. What I find fascinating is the number of podcasters or people in the situation who leave all the opportunity on the table. It's, again, a fabulous challenge because it's it's absolutely right. I mean, it does drive some pipeline, but it's certainly not being systematized. I think because I've I've learned all this stuff out of the generosity of the guest's heart, I feel slightly uh, churlish trying to uh, charge for that. I'm not afraid to put new material out there But there's no such thing as an original idea, right? Everything is just an evolution of something else. So you doing something that you learned from a guest, they only got that from someone else or from something else or whatever. So I absolutely see that. It feels to me you're very like you're very half pregnant. And this is the case for for most for a very, very long time. Yeah, I mean, it's an inter- it's an interesting question that, that I that I face with with our own shows and with lots of you know lots of other people I talk to. What's okay. stopping you from doing? Yeah, do you, you see what I mean? Like, why aren't you going in on it more? Like, you say your total addressable market. Well, your total. I don't know how many listens you get, but your total addressable market is at least a thousand x that. The only it? stuff that I know how to measure is the number of downloads that come off the Podbean report. Sure. Um, and that's typically looks like somewhere between 180 and 250, with some going up to 400. I've got no idea how many lessons and how many streams. And of course, I'm sure, I don't know if you're aware of the difference between a download and a listen and a stream. 
No. But the, there are two major podcast players, so listening devices, so Pocket Casts and Apple Podcasts. They are both set to auto-download. So what that means is that if I listen to your show this week now, or I listen to even a few minutes of it, it will automatically start to download future episodes for me, even if I don't listen to them or I engage with them or anything. Right. Okay. Because so, the what it what it does is it will then when you publish the next episode for a few weeks, it will automatically download it for me. So it's on my phone when I want to listen to it. And then after a while it works out I'm not listening to it and stops downloading it. So the industry used to work on downloads, but now we have by the nature of how technology has evolved, we now look at streams instead. So on Spotify, for example, it doesn't auto-download. It doesn't download it at all. It just streams it from the internet. You call it, you'll see it as a download, but it's actually a stream. So the, one of the reasons that your Apple Podcasts listener data looks higher than Spotify is that probably a significantly higher proportion of your Spotify plays were actually listens, whereas on Google, on Apple Podcasts, they were probably fewer actual listens versus the number of people it shows you right okay but all of those to me still stink of vanity metrics i would partly agree but partly like i mean it's some gauge of what's going on isn't it yeah and i'm trying to establish how can i determine whether i'm bringing value to my audience because i've got a really easy way of doing that yeah ask them well, I do, and some of them come back with uh, long tones, and the majority, it's crickets. So here's so, what we're going to do. In next week's episode, guys, between now and next episode, Marcus is going to go onto Google, and he's going to create a survey. And in next week's episode, the editor is going to drop into the beginning of the episode a link to a survey that Marcus has created where he asks you, the listeners, to answer four questions about his show. You guys are going to listen to the episode. You're going to hear the link. You're going to write it down. You're going to go and you're going to give him that feedback. It can, it's absolutely anonymous, but he wants to know some basic information about his listeners. And he might do that just next week because I've just committed to him, to him, but it might be in future episodes while he might run it for a few weeks in case you're not listening to just next week's episode. And this is, you're doing this, listener, because Marcus hasn't spoken to you, even though you're there listening and you know, you're know you a key stakeholder in this project, but that's another conversation. You're going to do this as a listener, as a show of gratitude for this free content that Marcus is putting out there. He's giving you this value for free. You've never, he's never asked you for a penny. He's never asked you for anything. This is money that comes out of his own pocket that he could be using to put food on the table for his kids. And on this occasion, the one thing he's asking for you in return is a few minutes of your time to just fill this form in online. Okay. And then after this, he'll know a bit about his listeners. And you never know, he might do something else for you in the future. Because he's absolutely grateful that even though he's called you a vanity metric, that you're listening to his show and that you're hopefully deriving, deriving some value from what you're hearing. Very good. You did tell me I could say whatever I wanted. And I'm perfectly happy with that. It's absolutely That's no the one. best way of finding out about your audience. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I have to remember to put some structure in, so I will attempt to do that. 
my uh, tendency is to put plans together and then ignore them. Um, so people really love to know what to expect, right? Like, yeah, they feel a sense of familiarity makes them come back because they feel like they're part of it. Okay, so that's the old trick with repetition. Here's a question: like consistency is really important, and always being there at the same time for your listeners when they when they're looking for content to listen to is good. How many episodes a year do you put out? What's your listening structure? What's your publishing schedule? My, uh, I publish Tuesday and Thursdays. And okay. if I have, uh, typically it's at 6 p.m. And then if I have a glut in the pipeline, then I'll release them on a Sunday morning. And what's your reasoning? Because the pipeline's huge and I'll never get the shows out. Okay. I'm allowed to have a go at you? Of course you are. Okay, cool. Uh, do you pay for Netflix or Amazon Prime? or? Yeah. Yeah? Do you watch any soaps? No. No. Why don't you watch soaps? Because they're all about other people's misery. <laughs> okay, it's a fair answer. So here's the thing, right? One of the things that has evolved over the last 20 years, 10, 15 years, whatever, is that I think the volume is important, right? But you're not making... Unless you're making a daily or a current affairs or a culturally relevant show that's got real short-term listen, who on earth is going to give... Like, if you're a fan of something, like, have you watched... What's a series you watched recently? I'll say Breaking Bad. Okay, Breaking Bad. Classic. You watched every episode of Breaking Bad, right? Yeah. You don't just, like, miss them out. No, absolutely. It's a commitment to watch Breaking Bad. And they released it as five seasons, and it's 20 episodes a season. But they released it in chunks. You're putting out an episode every other day, and you want me to, so you, you, you want your audience to give you 45 minutes three times a week. Like, are you joking? No. How is that? No? But if your audience are true fans of your show, they're going to want to listen to all your episodes. So how are they ever going to keep up? Like, what, how do they know what the listening schedule is? And how do they know, like... Netflix releases in Netflix is a really good business to copy because it's making content and it's publishing it and it's got 800 million users. They publish in seasons, right? So they go, okay, we're going to release and we're going to promote too hot to handle eight episodes, 45 minutes, and we're going to put it out now and you can consume it for the next six weeks and we're going to promote it all the time. But then it's going to stop and we're going to give you time to go and watch Bridgerton because we know you also like Bridgerton. And then eight weeks later, the next season of Too Hot to Handle comes out because you need to give the listener breathing space to go and do other stuff. Because if you're publishing every three days, people are just going to go, fuck, I can't keep up with this. Like, I want to hear them all. I'm a big fan of the show, but it's too much. So actually, you're like, how are they supposed to cope? How do they know what's coming next? Like, they don't have the context. They don't know your plans. And so they just drop off completely. So you're not, putting the listener first you're not putting the there are three stakeholders in a podcast you the listening audience and any sponsors or brands or partners not guests they are not a stakeholder in a podcast they do not hang around and people don't listen to your show because of the guest people aren't here because of me they're here because of you so you need to manage your relationship with the audience you need to consider how often they want to hear your show have you told them how many weeks they're making a commitment for Have you made it so it's fun and enjoyable for them? All these kinds of things are what drive your listenership up, that drives your engagement, that drives your results. Like, this is important. No one's ever accused it of being fun. (laughs) 
Who accused what of being fun? <laughs> An interview with me. So, okay. No, but people, but right, you've got hardcore fans of your show. You've got 50 hardcore fans of your show that try to listen to as many episodes as possible. But currently you're asking them for the average, I think the average person listens to five hours of podcasts a week and you're asking them for three of those five, but they listen to seven shows on an ongoing basis. How is that? What? They can, they can nudge the other ones out. Yeah, but they don't want to do that. <laughs> no, you I, would, know, I know. You know, that's why EastEnders is so, or your average soap is so hard to commit to these days is because it comes out four times a week. Like who's got four times half an hour? If you're making a daily show, that's cool because it's like people listen to the daily instead of consuming the news or it's six minutes long. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. These are all fantastic ideas. Um, you're, you're working. You should cut your production volume by three and put the 60% of the budget that you were spending into marketing, into your audience, into development of the show. Right. Okay. Because it costs roughly 50 quid an episode to just have the noise. Okay, so take that 100 quid extra and use that to build your relationship with your audience, which is what this is all really about. Okay. So use, don't edit three, don't do three episodes. Do what, don't spend 50 quid an episode, spend 150 quid an episode and get some editorial in and cut out the, like in our conversation, we've bounced all over the place. There's a lot of waffle. There's lots of sections that need cutting out. There's long pauses. There's all sorts. There's maybe some restructuring that could happen. There's an intro that could go on the front that you could record after this. Of In this conversation, I speak to James about XYZ. Use the, edit, use the 100 pounds extra you've got to get the editor to add those bits in and really work on behalf of your audience. Okay. Is that interesting? Does that That is really sense? interesting. And it makes perfect sense. I just had no idea where to start. That's what I would, that kind of thing is what I, is the road yeah. I would go down. What I do really like about your conversation, which I, that I would say though, I mean, I don't know if they're all like this, but this one specifically, like they're very raw, honest, real, yeah. trustworthy conversations. And I think people really appreciate that. that. That's definitely what they have been and intentionally so. I'm not interested in the artifice. I want to work out how do we get better. Hello. Isn't this ridiculous? For those who you can't see, obviously, my cat is lying with his legs in the air, wanting his tummy stroked whilst I try and have an intelligent conversation about podcasting. He's a big attention seeker. Fair enough. What's his name? His name is Bagheera. Ah, very, very wise. He's a very active Bengal. Yeah, he looks very spotty what's your biggest frustration with your podcast honestly it's i can't get hold of the devil's gallop music rights because i think that would just be hilarious and i'd really like to get someone on who knows what the hell they're talking about on compensation compensation of what compensation of salespeople and how comp plans drive unintended behavior that's a very interesting topic that i have yeah, I mean, salespeople is a, it's an interesting, an interesting one, isn't it? I don't, I don't, I, I, in my business, we don't have any salespeople. We only have marketing people. Right. Because we actually have an old school sales guy, costs six figures, catches whales, lands whales, which is brilliant, just brought in, has in the last two months brought in two six figure sponsorship deals for 10 episodes of podcasts. So, 
you're looking at like 20 to 30, 20 to 50,000 pounds an episode for podcast sponsorship. Yeah. But wants to phone everyone up still. Very difficult to compensate. Really hard to know what to do. Yeah, it's a re- it's a really challenging area because it creates lots of unintended consequences because of what you measure in order to create the compensation. And also, where does your compensation end? So, like, our, we have him, he does sales, he's got a bonus plan, but our customer success person, yeah. who's basically a salesperson, doesn't have a compensation plan because they think they're in the marketing team. Right. Okay. Well, and there's an episode that's coming out next week on compensation and how uh, reward systems actually drive uh, negative behavior. So, Is that the same idea as um, unlimited holiday drives people to take less holiday? Right. Okay. I didn't realize that that's what the spinoff was. Yeah. So the outcome of giving people unlimited holiday, especially in the US, was they would compete to take as little as holiday as possible. Right. Lots of companies went back to mandated holiday. Uh-huh. I didn't realize that was a negative consequence. There's one. To answer your question, I would like to be a better host for the audience. And you've highlighted areas where I wasn't and I've largely been deluding myself. So I do need to pull my finger out. I'm pleased with the traction that it does get. Because a lot of listeners listen to at least two episodes a week. What's the North Star of your podcast? I've never really given it a thought. So if you were to link all of your episodes through a common theme, like a North Star, so for example... Uh, well, that's simple. Sa- sales uh, is a force for good. So all of the questions that you sent me in advance of the podcast, that we have things we might talk about, should all be based around that. So within your podcasting company, within your tech product, within, you know, so there's some nuances based around what I do, but our entire conversation should have been around the using sales as a force for good. I make it, I run a social purpose business. I have a tech product and a product and an, you know, an offline production company. And I've been self-employed for 12 years. And before that, I worked in recruitment. So I've done a lot of sales. We could have had a whole conversation around that and then what you would have then what you'd find at scale is that you can't eat that wire because it's connected to the microphone is that what you would have found out at scale is that you end up with people who are all interested in the sales sphere and sales as a force for good right and then then what happens is you build up a community of those people which spreads further and wider and then a CRM comes to you and says actually Capsule CRM come and say, we'll give you £5,000 to sponsor the next season because we don't have the capacity to make this. We don't have the spokesperson. You have a niche community of 500 people who are all salespeople. And we are trying to win business from people managing the sales process with all our tools. And that's how you've got your first collaboration. Now you've got £5,000. Now you can pay yourself a small fee. You can pay the editor more. You can pay more for marketing. You can pay to get someone to book you to speak on other shows. Then you go talk on other sales podcasts. Then you start to mine their community of listeners because the only way to grow your podcast is to go to find other podcast communities. And then it goes around like that. So then what you've got is a niche community. You're building a community of sales leaders or salespeople, right? Mm-hmm. That's your target audience and everything pivots around that. I mean, that's the bulk of where my audience is. But again, it hasn't grown that way out of uh, intent. 
it's just where they've gravitated from. The question comes, how do you make your podcast fun and digestible to listen to? Because otherwise it could become A, repetitive, i.e. everyone you interview says the same thing, or B, drying and dry and boring as hell. Okay. So how would you keep it lighthearted and, you know, like your questions are great. But again, and this is all in the art of being a good podcast host, like, have you ever been blindsided? Great question. Much better question from a podcast perspective to make an interesting episode is, tell me a great story of when you were blindsided as a salesperson. Yeah. Forces, right? Everyone loves a story. We get a lot of stories. Sure. Yeah. I'm not okay. debating that you yeah, don't yeah, no, just... No, no, but you, you, make, you make a very good point. Okay. Um, well, look... See what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah, no, very, very helpful. So as an audience, if you can give feedback as to how you think it can be improved and how many episodes you'd like to listen to each week, then, yeah, I'll um, accommodate. The reality is that I can produce three episodes a week quite comfortably. I enjoy doing it. Um, and yes, it is a bit of an ego rub, I guess, or certainly feeding my agenda, but I want it to be more relevant to you. So chime in, don't um, hold back. Uh, raw, unvarnished feedback, always welcome. Another really interesting idea for you just before we go is that because this whole, the situation you're in, you need a plan as with anything. You need a business plan, a sales plan, whatever, right? For this to continue and to get better and to offer more value to your community and for you to speak to more people of you know better caliber, let's say, for simple terms, much of it, money is going to help. Okay. You need to engage, and you also need to engage and make your community feel like they're part of something because that's what people want to do. People love community. You can see that in the crypto NF NFT space now. Like people absolutely love being part of something. If you can make three episodes a week, which most people can't, why don't you start a Patreon? So it's one episode a week that's free and two episodes a week. You pay four pounds a month and you can listen to those two episodes, but they're behind a paywall or put it on Apple Podcasts. So you create a channel on Apple Podcasts. People pay. They can still get the free episode, but they can pay to be a subscriber and then they get the paid for subscribe, subscriber only content. And then you've got 100 people paying you four pounds a month and then suddenly you're making another 400 pounds a month. Yeah. Right. And they feel like they're part of something and you're offering them more. It's an interesting idea. Audience monetization of your audience is not a bad thing. That means you're engaging with them. They're paying to be part of something. People love that. Okay. That's all been incredibly helpful, James. Thank you so you much. More than welcome. You've got a golden ticket and you can whisper in the ear of the idiot, uh, James, age 23. What would you say to him? James, age 23. Yeah. Um, James, age 23, should definitely have gone to therapy way sooner. <laughs> okay. That is, that's probably a, is one useful, one uh, is that's probably my responsible answer. Uh, my less responsible answer would have been, you should have gone to see, like, when you get the opportunities to go live in other countries and see the world, you should have taken them. I didn't take them. Right. In retrospect, I should have done. But yeah, my main, my main one is get self-aware as fast as possible. That's good advice. The sooner you can become self-aware, the quicker 
you can start having a vague understanding of why other people are just as fucked up as they are. <laughs> and you can see why their irrational behavior is perfectly normal to them and your irrational behavior is barking mad to them. Understand yourself sooner. Don't wait till you're 30. Yeah. Get absolutely. it done. So yes, that sounds probably very boring and grown up answer, but that is... It's yeah. one of the best bits of advice any human being can give another one. Okay, so what would you recommend people read, watch, or listen to? A book that I just read on vacation last week that I think is a great read is Happy Sexy Millionaire by Stephen Bartlett. It's not about... Make no preconceptions based on its title. It's a great read about how to live a fuller, better life and put yourself at the center of it whilst still achieving all the things you want to achieve. If you haven't seen the Tim Urban TED Talk, it's called okay. Inside the Mind of a Master Procrastinator. You should absolutely watch it. Fantastic. And make sure your kids watch it as well. And the third thing that I think everyone should do, so one of the things that I noticed, this is not just from a podcasting perspective in general, is the judgment and preconceptions that come with people that come with things that people have not tried or done or seen or watched or consumed like if you have kids sit down and find out what they watch on youtube and sit down and watch it if you you know most people that listen to podcasts i ask them what they listen to and they tell me all this nonsense i listen to tim ferris and i listen to masters of scale i listen to absolute trash in podcast terms like if you've if you're an adult you're over 18 go listen to a podcast called Call Her Daddy. It's uh, don't listen with your parents, your children, or your partner around if you're not comfortable with them. Alex, the host, just got signed a three-year deal with Spotify for $60 million. Wow. But that show is how you should make content. The fundamental principles of what she does are second to none. They are absolutely glorious. And I listen to that kind of thing, like pure entertainment. So I've given you a book, I've given you a TED Talk. And my advice after that is, I've given you a podcast. My advice after that is don't be judgmental. If you've never downloaded TikTok, fucking download it and sit there in a TikTok hole for four hours and stop resisting enjoyment. <laughs> it's pure, pure escapism. And it's exactly the same with YouTube. Go watch some YouTubers. Go check out Casey Neistat. Go check out Roman Atwood. Go check out Mr. Beast. If you don't know who these people are, this is the future. Like What got us to where we are today is not going to get us to where we're going. The world is changing. If you don't know what an NFT is, go find out what one is. If you don't understand what blockchain is, go find out what blockchain is. The world's is evolving. If you don't know what the meta, the metaverse is, go find out. You never know, you might be interested. I think that's really good advice, especially for people who are of a certain vulnerable age and um, follically challenged, that uh, unless we're aware of what's coming down the pipe. So in terms of sales and marketing technology, if you are not aware of how uh, an efficient tech stack can be put together to increase your productivity by seven to 1400%, then first of all, you're missing a trick. Secondly, um, if you're not delivering that kind of upside, you're getting it wrong. So you do need to do your research and you'll get eaten alive. 
listen, it's uh, twenty. This is, I'm I, I'm thirty eight, right? My parents are in their early sixties, and they're very good at this. But I have to. We have to face it. Our in our work, working with other people with technology on a regular basis. If you're under fifty, and you ever have the sentence or you ever use the word, I'm not good at technology. I'm not good with computers. I don't know how to do that on my phone. No offense, but that is not good enough. You are probably only halfway through your life. Your chance, your life expectancy, a hundred is not unrealistic. That means you are halfway through your life and we are not going backwards. So if you can't do basic stuff like use WhatsApp or figure out how to get your COVID passport on your phone without help, that isn't acceptable. Go figure it out because this is like the sooner than later. If you don't use mobile banking, we're not going back to checks. We're not going back to cash. Like we're only going forward. Go figure it out. Excellent. So uh, James, how can people get hold of you? You can find me using the handle at one fine play on pretty much all socials it's me behind them because i'm a big believer in personal brand so at one fine play you'll find us and if you are want to actually get a hold of me the only inbox that i really track is linkedin excellent james bishop thank you thank you very much so this is marcus kauke signing off once again from the inquisitor podcast if you want to get hold of me, Marcus at laughs-last.com. And please do take the call to action app and give some unvarnished feedback. If you feel the urge, go over to Apple or Google or wherever and leave an honest review. One star, three stars, five stars, but plenty of feedback, please. In the meantime, stay safe and happy selling. Bye-bye.